Welcome to the show, Sports and Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max here today. We have an up-and-coming artist in here. And introduce yourself. Let them know who you are because you are from New York City. Yes, sir. My name is Exile. I come from Astoria, Queens, not too far away. Uh, I've been doing music now for around eight years. I started out as a DJ uh, around the age of, yeah, if I'd say 13. Um, then in about 2017, I started producing in like 2015 and then I actually started getting on the mic in around 2017. I uh, didn't really start like seriously start releasing tracks with me spinning on them till like 2018, 2019. When did this love of music come about in your life? Was it from a family member or was it something that you just found an interest in? Yeah, I mean, music has been in the family for as long as I've been, as long as I've been alive. I remember like in 2005, listening to my father, listening to some Prince tracks and my mother, she was always big on disco, so she always had some disco playing in the car. Um, I just had music around me from an early age. None of them really knew, you know, none of them had, a, it was more of a love for music. They weren't, you know, they didn't play instruments or anything like that, but they serious appreciation for music. And that's that's kind of where I would say that I get my own appreciation for music. From. You're also in The Rock. I read that too. In The Rock? Yeah. Oh, oh, into rock. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Honestly, that is funny because I didn't start. I, I used to be strictly hip hop until like the age of like 15, 16. It's really only been like in the last three years that I've been starting to listen to more rock. Um, but yeah, I love it, man. I love it. I like to incorporate that kind of sound, too, into some of the newer stuff that I've been making. It's interesting that rock has changed in so many different ways and each decade it sounds different. What was your decade of rock that you were into? Was it a band? Was it on the level of a Billy Joel, Elton John? What's your type of rock? Uh, honestly, like from e I'd say from each decade, each decade definitely has like my favorites. Uh, Queen is always going to be probably the top just because just the artistry behind that band is absolutely insane. Um, but I mean, you have some other bands from different decades too. You have Motley Crue in the eighties, you have Smashing Pumpkins, really big on the Smashing Pumpkins in the nineties, Blink-182 in the nineties, and also some in the two thousands as well. Um, and then if you go into the two thousands, you can have like some Paramore, like Haley Williams. Um, right now I'm just starting to get into, um, what's their name? Uh, what's their name? Uh, the band is slipping me right now, but like some of these, like Sleeping With Sirens, um, bands like that, that were more popular back in the 2000s, but I'm just kind of getting onto them now. But some of the older rock, like in the 90s, that I've been on for like close to 10 years. Like Smashing Pumpkins, I've always been a fan of the Smashing Pumpkins, always. Especially the grunge era too, Nirvana, they had a lot of good bands oh. back in there, even Creed. Yeah, I, I haven't really listened to Creed, um, but... Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the, like, I'd say, like, the 90s is is kind of, just like hip-hop has this golden era, you know, I'd say that's kind of, like, for me, that's the golden era where people, like, really started paying attention to rock a lot more. Okay, that's interesting that you brought up the golden era, especially being a young artist in the game right now. Why is the 90s, in your opinion, as a youthful artist, the golden era? I want to I want to know why, from your opinion. Uh, Just for music as a whole, or for... For hip-hop. Oh, for hip hop, I mean, you just had some of the best MCs coming out. Like you had the 80s was, I feel like when people were, you know, hip hop was first introduced, people were really kind of learning the craft, mastering the craft. Um, and then 
the heads that were coming up in the 90s, they were able to look back and have a reference point. You know, something that the, the pioneers, they didn't have a reference point. So the heads that were coming up in the 90s, like the Biggies and the Tupacs, they had a reference point when they were able to build upon that and take the flows of the past and, you know, enhance them, essentially. So that's where you, I mean, now I'm not just talking about the East Coast. You have the West Coast, too. So obviously, Dre and Snoop and Warren G. Um, that's that's really why I feel you were able to just get some of the most authentic, authentic bars. Like today, I feel like it's become a lot about, you know, the pageantry behind the artists. Back then, I think it was really just about the bars. And that's what I admire most. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about the bars in today's mainstream era? It's kind of not showcased as it once was. Yeah, it's really, I mean, you, you just have to look. You just have to look. It, the, the stuff that they're showing you on the charts, that's not really going to be it. You know, mm -hmm. you have to look. I mean, you still, but it's funny because I was just talking to my cousin the other day. Like, if you look at the, like, what you would say, the legends of the 2010s, like the J. Cole, Kendrick, Drake, uh, I would even still say Lil Wayne in the beginning. That hasn't changed. Those are still the goats of the beginning yeah. of 2020. You know, people still look to them and say, all right, this is the, this is the standard that you have to meet. No one's really touched that, I think, yet. At least so far in this decade, and even though we're just in 2021, I don't think anybody's really touched that yet. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I think Dave East is there. I think Griselda's yes. there, too. Yes, yes, yeah. I mean, you have to, yeah, you have to have, throw in a couple people like Dave East, Griselda, Corday. I'm thinking uh -huh. Corday is one of the young, the young kids that I'm thinking, like, he really could take it to that level with a little more time. Um, I've been check checking you out with your singles that you have out now. You have Hoochie Shoes. That you have a lyrical part in that song too, which I was impressed with and surprised about because usually when someone sends me new artists, I'm like, oh God, here we go, another trap record. And and it wasn't. It was actually creative and something different. And I think your knowledge of hip hop right here, which you're explaining to me right now, reflects in that that you're trying to be different and not stick with the same trend that's out here that you hear on the mainstream New York radio stations and props up to you on that. Ah, oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Lyr lyricism is definitely something that I want to keep alive in my music. Um, Cause I think that's just one of the things that differentiates me from a lot of the other artists out here is that I just still have a respect for that kind of lyricism. So getting into to DJ and when did you first get your first set of turntables? The age of 12, I was looking at, I was, my aunt asked me what I wanted for Christmas and I don't really know what I wanted for Christmas. So I was on target. I was online looking at target and I was looking at all these things. I came across these, this cheap ass pair of turntables, uh, plastic turntables, the new Mark. I don't even remember what model, but the fact that I was spending on new Mark was, was bad right away. But, um, yeah, around the age of 12, I got them for Christmas and yeah, I just started playing around with it at first. And I started really getting into it. And I started building my library. And by the age of, I did my first show when I was 14. Fire. What was your first show? My first show was small. It was a, it was just a show, a local showcase in um, Danbury, Connecticut. At this okay. Yeah. That's close to me. I live in Connecticut. So. Oh, what part? I live in uh, Fairfield County. So it's, uh, yeah. it's right around there. Now my mother, she, she lives in Richfield now. Oh yeah. That's like 20 minutes from here. Yeah. She lives in Richfield. Um, so I was always, you know, I love tuxedo junction. Tuxedo junction was this concert venue that was going on in the 2000, uh, the 2010s started to really build back up in the mid 2010s, but they were doing a local showcase and 
you know, I went there, I met with the promoter, the promoter liked my set. Um, then he started plugging me in for a couple more of the bigger shows there where they had some larger dance music acts. They had, uh, you know, Borgore, Snails. Um, if you're in the dance community, uh, Chainsmokers. Um, you share the stage with them. Yeah, with Borgore and Snails there, the Chainsmokers I shared the stage with at Pacha, New York City when that was still open. Um, but yeah, that's where I started like getting the confidence to be, you know, I wasn't rapping at that point, but at least to be on a stage in front of, you know, hundreds, hundreds, mm -hmm. thousands of, uh, thousand of people. Um, that's really where, where it began right there at that venue. Uh, that's fire. What was your biggest event? The biggest show I played was probably, it was definitely one of the city shows just because there's more people. Um, I'd say it was either, I opened for French Montana, uh, nah, DJ 4B. I opened for French Montana and DJ 4B. I'd say it was either one of those sets or maybe the Chainsmokers set because there was a lot of heads for the Chainsmokers as well. That was when they just released... Um, roses so they were just like popping up at that point um so i'd say those three biggest shows and and in those shows i'd say there was i mean it's hard to gauge but like i'd say anywhere from 800 to 1500 people good for you thank you man. that's good that's how you get your name known out there once you or in front of a large crowd like that, you got to make sure to promote your social media, you know, check for me. And that's what, that's what you're doing. And eventually you sign this deal with Rowan, your manager, shout out to her. She does a lot for you guys on, on that label and company. And why was that the right choice for you? How long have you known Rowan for? Why was this the right choice for you? So the story with Ro is, is great. And it's going to be one of those stories that I tell my kids and my grandkids is I started out as an intern for her. In, okay. 2000, in 2019, I remember my, my, one of my professors from college, he sent me her contact info that she was looking for interns. So I set up a, a meeting with her. I joined the team. I interned for the summer and I was, I was pushing, uh, mainly Wonder was the artist that we were pushing at the time. And towards the end of the, uh, the summer, before I was leaving, you know, I also had my friend Kim, Kim who was also an intern of hers. And Kim was, you know, she, Kim was a big fan of mine. She liked my music and she was like, Ro, you know, listen to, listen, listen to X's music. So one day we were working and we were listening to the music and, you know, she was bopping along and she liked the music, especially um, the song Buffalo I had out at the time. I just dropped Buffalo. She really liked that song. So by the end of, by the end of the uh, summer, we hammered out the negotiations and we signed a deal because, you know, I just, her work, her work ethic is, I mean, on parallel to 99% of the things I've seen. I mean, I, I say all the time, she's like a robot. She just just gets it done. She just gets it done. And that's what I need in my corner. Yeah, this is you need someone that works hard. A lot of people, that's why people don't go places in life because you deal with these managers who don't really push you. And I'm actually someone looking for an agent soon. Uh, I'm going to be figuring that out. So I got to choose the right agent for me that's going to be making sure I get the deals and moving their ass because it's like, Hey, you put me in a situation that's profitable and I make a ton of money. You're going to make 10% off that. Absolutely. No, so absolutely. it's like, that's why it's important to have an important manager, uh, an established agent. And it's important to have that. And you, you have that down packed hundred percent as far as work goes, because I know, 
the pandemic shut everyone down. It shut everyone down unless you were some form of entertainer, which you are. You can DJ, you can produce, you can still make music. Uh, how did you keep busy during this time, during the quarantine? I'm not going to lie, man. The pandemic was rough. The pand- I'm, and I'm sure it's the same for everybody else. Um, the pandemic was really just a rough year. Uh, just kind of being, you know, I take a lot of influence. The city influences me a lot. And people don't really understand when I say how the city just influences me in a, in a sonic way, in a way that I'm able to put into music. Um, but it, it does influence me in a way, in a kind of an, in an inexplicable way. So just not being able to really go out, take in everything the city has to offer, just seeing it as a ghost town, that was really, uh, it, was, it was depressing for me. It was depressing for me. Um, so I really wasn't able to just get the kind of creativity that I was able to get out of it. It's finally now in the last, like I'd say, six to eight months where I've been really just kind of getting back in the lab, using the time, the the beginning time that I just really couldn't get any creativity out to try to catch that up. And I think it's been going pretty good so far. I've just, 2021 has been in a much better state. I mean, we got a live show coming tomorrow. I'm doing my first post-COVID live show tomorrow in Brooklyn. I did my first DJ set about two weeks ago. So I'm just happy to be back and happy to be back at it. Um, it it's just, yeah, that it's just, I'm just happy to be back. Congratulations on that. Now, with the event that you have in Brooklyn, where is that? That's at the Bikeland Yard, uh, B-Y-K-L-Y-N, and then Yard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, we wanted to get that, made sure that was promoted so people could come check you out. I'm sure, because people are probably eager to go to events. I want to go to the movie theaters again. I want to go out and do things. I, I was, I've been cooped up in my house in quarantine for I mean, we're almost reaching two years now, you know, it's, it's going on to that. But if you get vaccinated, apparently you don't have to wear a mask anymore. I'm sure you got vaccinated. Oh I'm, yeah. I'm back. I went to the movie theater yesterday in Astoria. Oh yeah. yeah I was vaccinated. Uh, you know, I was walked in no mask. They were fine. I had my vaccination card. I just went to see a, a, a quiet place part two. Mm-hmm. That show was sick. Um, that the movies is the movie theater, especially is very important to me. I've seen, you know, with the people in my life, I've shared a lot of memories there. I've gotten a lot of inspiration there. So being able to go back into the movies, like you say, uh, to see, even though there's not really a lot of good stuff out, that it's it's a good feeling. It's Facts. Good. I, I think, is that a Friday the 13th poster in the background? Yes, sir. Yes, it is? Sir. <laughs> I could only see the silhouette, and I said I recognize that, that yes, figure, sir. and that's part one. Good call. Good call. Yeah. I could yes. catch that. You're, you're a horror movie guy? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm the, the, the everyone that I've interviewed uh, part of Rowan's camp has been a horror movie fan. So, nah, you know, we get into good horror movie discussions. I, I love to have your opinion on the state of horror today. The state of horror today, it's it's changing because now horror movies are have you know they tend to have more like a message in them. You know, like be it a, a socially conscious message or just kind of a a moral at the end of the movie, um, which I kind of like, because I feel, you know, like horror movies before, there's no real substance to them. You know, it's great to see the guy running around chasing something, but like, if you can think about it at the end of the movie and be like, oh shit, that makes sense. I can, you know, I, I, I can dig that. Uh, with regards to the quality of movies, I mean, I've seen so many like of the jump scare movies now that it's really hard to find something that really will get at me like that anymore. Um, 
but you know you have some you have some good movies out like the last one i just saw you know you have movies that aren't necessarily like scary in the jump scare sense but they're just creepy if you think about them like there's this netflix movie called um i just watched it a couple uh, like a week ago called um midsummer um basically about this group of 20 somethings that go to sweden on to like some like cult essentially a cult um and again there wasn't like jump scares or anything about it but just the ambiance and you know the events and the foreshadowing that's really what you know gave me the chills kind of so I'm happy to see that's kind of what we're moving towards because that we have to evolve from jump scares because jump scares aren't going to scare people forever. Yeah, no, I'm a slasher guy. So I, that's why I respect the Friday 13th poster in the background. So I, I want to get back to the slashers because that's the, for me, that's the golden era of horror movies for me, the Friday 13th, the Freddy's, the Michael Myers. That's, that's the golden era right there. And Nothing compares to it. You could show me all the Conjurings, all the Annabelles, the, the hundred thousands of paranormal movies. It'll never match up to what the, the era of the John Carpenter, Sean S. Cunningham's and Wes Craven. It just, mm-hmm. it won't do it for me. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, my personal favorite movie, scary movie, is The Shining. Okay, but Stanley, Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick. Nothing, nothing, you know, I've watched a lot of scary movies. Nothing really touches that. Like, nothing has really kept me up at night like that movie. So, and you're right. It's that's a classic feeling that it's very hard to replicate. Uh, replicate these days. That whole '80s era. Now, what was it about The Shining that it kept you up? Because that's an interesting. Because people would usually say, "Oh, maybe The Exorcist," and maybe someone would say The Poltergeist, The Omen. Why was it The Shining for you? I'm not gonna lie. The soundtrack played a very important role. Mm-hmm. Um, just the creep. First of all, the isolation aspect. Just that no one was around. The soundtrack, uh, the music choice for that movie was fantastic. The creepy old, you know, 20s jazz songs. Um, and um, really the the final scene is kind of like the dagger in the heart for me. Because like just, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody that hasn't seen The Shining, but like. Too late. It came out in 1980. Let's get into yeah, it. You're right. You're right. It, it's so, I mean, it's just, you know, it, the camera's just slowly panning in. And it shows the main guy who was going around killing everybody in the 1980s, supposedly in the 19, like in 19, the year 1921 in this black and white picture. Um, and then it just kind of fades to black with this creepy jazz song playing in the back. Um, that to me is just, that's, that's an iconic scene that'll, that I'll remember till the day I die. A hundred percent. That's a classic movie in and of itself. Jack Nicholson, here's Johnny. No one will ever forget yeah. that one. Uh, I got to say, and I, I was talking to Sus one the other night, he was on my show Wednesday, and we were even going over horror movies from the 2010s to 2000s. There really hasn't been a lot that have impressed me too much. And the two main ones that I will give applause to are Orphan and Sinister. I think those films were very creative for mm-hmm. the 2000s, which was Orphan came out 2009, 2000, what was it 2012, I think Sinister came out. I, those are the two films for me from the, the eras now, close to the 2020s, that I think are done a great job yeah the orphan was a good movie the orphan was good that for the 2010s yeah that was good the i per i love sinister mm-hmm. that is all that is one of my top favorites as well not as much the second one but i love the first one that was another one the what's his name bagul the creepy, mm-hmm. the creepy yeah he kept me up when i was a kid he kept me up at night too um of this recent era honestly the first insidious i think okay yes 100 percent. i forgot about that was, one was very good 
like a very good representation of the 2010s. Um, the Conjuring wasn't that good. The second Conjuring, when they bring in the nun, mm-hmm. that shit was pretty scary. Um, but yeah, I mean, beyond that, like in the two, nothing really, nothing that stuck with me that I can remember now, you know? People are hooked into these Netflix films that are B films, I say. I mean, the B films from the 80s were better. You look at Sleepaway Camp, Bloody My Bloody Valentine. You look at those films. Those were great B movies. But now Netflix, they're so it's so just watered down and it's too much. There's too many films. I, I just think that there's too many paranormal films out there. But then there's people that have grown a fan base for this film you may have seen on Netflix, Terrifier. Mm-hmm. that's it sounds familiar does it have like a clown yeah, the, yeah 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 i've seen the cover i haven't watched it but i see yeah that's growing a cult following and people are saying oh he's the modern day slasher i watched the film i thought it was i thought it was okay i think it was too 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 extreme with the gore there's there goes to a level where we want to see that when we watch horror movies that's why we want to watch that we want to see the gore we want to see the violence we want to see the scares i think there comes a time when you just use so much blood it's just Accessible. It overdoes it. Yeah, it, absolutely. I absolutely agree with you. It's just it takes away from the movie because then it, it's not even like it gets to a point where it's not even scary. It's just kind of gross and like yeah. this and disgusting. You know, you don't really. It's gratuitous. I so I see what you're saying. I see. Yeah, what it, it's crazy. Uh, is there any other horror films that you're looking forward to seeing that are coming out in the near future? I know Orphan prequel, Halloween Kills. Wait, Orphan prequel? Yeah, there's an Orphan prequel coming out. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I'll see that. Scream uh, five. You know, the Scream series, I was never it never it never really stuck with me that much. You know, the Scream series, I, I remember seeing the first one and I was just kind of like, look at these two dumbass teenagers running around <laughs> with a mask over their head. You know? Um, but let's see, coming coming soon, just like the movies being released are just so sporadic now. Like there's nothing in the immediate pipeline. Although I will say there's this, when I was at the theater yesterday, there was this um, trailer for this movie called Old by M. Night Night Shyamalan. About these people on this island. Um, Some shit goes down in that trailer. And I'll, that, that I'd say is probably the next prospect for me. Yeah, I got, I got to check that out. M. Night Shyamalan, he's another, He's got some duds, but he's got some legendary films. The Sixth Sense yeah. and Signs are the two for me. Yeah, he very hit or miss, very hit yeah. or miss. But when he hits, he hits. He hit when he hits, he hits. Because yeah. I remember those early M Night Shyamalan films, and we can't forget those. Those are classic, certified, legendary films, and it's crazy. But looking forward to the upcoming horror films. Hopefully, things get better, and you know, mm-hmm. come back around, and we get more slashers. But getting back to you with your music and everything and with producing who are some artists that you've produced for so far throughout your career uh i've produced honestly i've produced for i work mainly like i like to know the artists that i'm producing for like i want to like i usually have if i can have them come into the studio to record here because i just like to mesh you know on a personal level or even on like an artistic level just personally you know what i mean um so i usually make beats for people that like just music i genuinely like um so like a big a big collaborator of mine is laps uh laps is actually he'll be performing. he was on the uh, hoochie shoes he's on hoochie shoes uh he'll be actually with me performing tomorrow uh that's just 
one of one of my favorite MCs in the city, if not my favorite MC in the city, uh, based in the Bronx. We got um, Koi as well, K-O-Y, who's been on a couple of my tracks. I've done some stuff with him. I've done some co-production with um, Black Zen, this artist out in Brooklyn. Um, yeah, I mean, those, those, like I said, I'm... There's, oh, there's two R&B singers that I'm currently, I sent out a track to them. I'm waiting to get vocals back now. There's this girl that I'm working with down in DC, a guitar player her named Julio or Julie Outrage. She's super fire. Those are the artists that I'm, uh, that I'm working with right now. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm picky. Uh, I'm picky about who, you know, whether it's I'm giving a beat or, or a verse or having them feature on a track. I'm just very picky about who I work with because... I don't know. I just have I just have high high standards for what I want for what my uh, I want my music to be. How old were you when you learned how to produce? And what is your process? Is it Fruity Loops? Is it the what's the other one there? The other one, Logic. There we oh, go. Yeah. I, I, I had a I had one of those moments where you just couldn't think of it off the top of your head. Logic. Now I, I, uh, there's Fruity Loops, Logic, Ableton, Cubase, and a couple other ones, but those are the main four. I use Ableton. Ableton is mine. Okay, yeah, for that one too. Yeah, I, uh, I started learning Ableton when I was 13. Um, you know, the, the first couple of years weren't great, you know, because I was still learning the process. I, would, I, I, I Sometimes I listen to some of the stuff that I made back then, and I'm like, oh, shit, I can't believe I thought this was hot. But, <laughs> you know, but that's just... But that shows that you grow. Yeah, that's just natural growth. That's just natural growth. Um, but I say I really started to get a good handle on Ableton in like 20... 2016 2017 um and i then i just gotten in the process of just mastering ableton since then uh but yeah i've been producing for eight years eight, going on nine good for you good for you why is ableton the number one software that you work with and they should pay you for this because you are promoting their brand and representing them <laughs> absolutely <laughs> that that would be dope that would be dope um and I'd recommend Ableton for all, all music producers, just because it's a simplified process. Like essentially you're, they make it so you're essentially putting blocks together, blocks of music together. And it's just such a user-friendly interface that, you know, like I said, I'm a 13 year old kid. I was able to understand the basics of it within, you know, six months it, it, with no prior music training um, of any kind. So, you know, it's just as a beginner, from beginners to experts, it's really just, say it has the best interface, the best user interface, which makes it the most effective uh, DAW in my opinion. What's your number one passion out of your three lines of work? Is it producing, DJing, or rapping now? That's tough, that's tough. Uh, I'd say I'm still trying to settle into the rapping thing. I'm still trying because just because I've been producing and DJing so long, uh, I'm still trying to settle into the rapping thing. Um, probably producing. Producing is what I'd say my strength is just because I've done so many times. Uh, I've put in so many hours and also producing is also probably the one where I can be the most creative because I can just literally create anything I want. But I mean, when it comes to live shows, there's nothing like DJing. 
there's there's nothing like DJing with you know people going crazy and turning up to what you're playing and you just have that kind of power over the flow the flow of the night yeah, there, there's no experience like that and I just I always want to chase that high for the for the rest of my life man that's fire for you good for you that you know that's your passion and that's what you do and you can do three avenues it, with the rapid thing where did that come in because was it an artist that inspired you? Was it something that was always at the back of your mind? Where did this come from, this rapping thing that you wanted to do? Well, I mean, I've been writing since I was 11. Writing since I was 11. Like I said, I always, I've been listening to hip hop my whole life. That's right. Um, but I didn't, it was one time that I went to, I had this mentor, a one by the name of Static Link. Um, I went to his studio once in Brooklyn at the age of 16, 17. To just show him some beats that I've been making. And I was like, yo, I got this, I got this verse written for you. You want to hear it? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I spit the verse. And he's like, yo, you should record that. And I'm like, nah, nah, I don't want to, you know, I'm not a rapper. I'm not a rapper. And he's like, dude, bro, record it. And so I recorded it. And, you know, um, he liked it. So that kept encouraging me to get uh keep going. It was somewhere along that line that year, like 2016, 17. Yeah, 17 that I met Laps as well. Laps was fucking with the music. He wanted to collaborate. So, you know, that gave me the confidence to kind of start releasing my own tracks. Um, I released, I think my first rap, uh, rap release was The Boulevard, old project from 2017. Um, and since then, I've just been getting, you know, gaining confidence, keeping up the, keeping up the penmanship and uh, doing what I can. What are some events that you think you're going to have lined up for this summer now that everything is starting to open back up slowly? Yeah, I mean, that's 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 really tough because just because in the city in particular, like we don't know what everything's still been closed and they only just said they're going to reopen July 1st and you never know what's going to happen with that. Um, ideally, we're going to be doing a lot. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of DJ shows. I know that uh, just because I want to get back out of there on the circuit. Uh, and just really live shows whenever Rowan finds them. I mean, whenever she hits me up, I'm game. So the schedule is pretty unpredictable right now, just because we're still, still not out of the woods yet, you know. But I mean, I'll tell you this: it's gonna be. It's not gonna be like the summer of 2020. I'll tell no. you that it's not gonna be like the summer of 2020. That much. We're is all shut down, thinking we were all gonna die. Uh, yep. Yeah, we were all there. It's gonna be. A hell of a time to look back on in the end, I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I say that I say that at least like once a week to my to my mother and my father. Like, man, like you know, that twenty years we're gonna look back at this. Like, how did this? How do we even get through yeah. this, how did this <laughs> world shut down? You know, over uh, five hundred thousand people died. Think about that. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah, and then just just here alone, globally, yeah. more than more than a million. I mean, it, it's. It's crazy to think about that we're living subject through such a historic time, you know, and it's, um, it's just, we can only be happy that it's almost over. Yeah. It, it makes you appreciate life more the little things such as going to the movie theaters. It makes Absolutely. you appreciate these things way more than when, because I'm someone that didn't appreciate the movie theaters after a certain point in my life because the movies were just terrible. Now I'm just thinking to myself, I'm looking at all these movies coming out, the conjuring threes coming out. 
I want to get back to that. I want to go see a movie. I want to go to a concert. I want to go back to, I want cause I, I'm near Toad's place and you've been to Toad's place. Oh, I played at Toad's place. Yeah. A so, yeah. <laughs> that's Connecticut's yeah. SOBs. So yep. I'm looking at, play, at places that I haven't been in a while. I'm like, man, I missed this. I want to get back. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it really does make you appreciate the little things in life. Um, just being able to go out for a meal with your family, you know, go for a walk in the park, exercise in the park, play basketball, literally anything. Um, so there's, you know, there's always a silver lining. Always yeah. A- and thank God the masks are going to be going soon. Cause I can't stand them. I mean, I wore them. I wore them. You had to wear them, but yeah, I had okay. such annoying. No, I'm done now. Cause I, you know, I got the vaccination. The CDC said that, you know, if you're vaccinated, you should be good. So I'm just following that advice. Because in the gym, I just can't do it with the masks anymore. It's, no, I, it's just, it's, it's near impossible. People were in, that's diehards. People that were in the gym with masks on, I couldn't. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, everybody's got to do what they got to do. Everybody's going to make their own decision. Um, but it's just, for me, you know, I, I've reached my, I've reached the point. I've reached the yeah. point. You reached the full apex of it. It's, it's, it's almost over. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping, I hope nothing backfires. If it backfires, then we're in trouble. And it's who knows what's good, what could happen. But I don't think it's gonna. I think the cases are going down yeah. immensely. If you if you get the shot, you're we're good. We're moving along. Yeah. I think I want to say by September, October, we'll be back to normal. I want to say that. If we're not, hopefully it'll be December, early January. No, I, I would say so. I mean, I was just reading today. They already have more than fifty percent of the country vaccinated. 51% of the country vaccinated. It's been uh, four months since like, since the vaccine came out, uh, became like more widely accessible. So, you know, I think once the, once the public kind of sees that, you know, people aren't dropping like flies as a result, that number will just keep going up and things will get back to normal, mm-hmm. at let's least look- in the city, at least in the city, because which is most important for us. Yeah. Let's yeah. hope. And we get back to normal. You can get to back to what you were doing. I can get back to what I want to do and not just do what we do, but live life. Yeah. I'm sure you're working on an album. You got some singles Honestly, out. Man, I, I like, I like doing, I like doing singles at least this early. And I, I do have an EP in the works, um, but I like doing singles early because I feel like as a, you know, as a growing artist, someone who's still, you know, still is trying to make a name. If you put out a project like a album, say, you know, say, let's say 10, 11 songs. It's not going to go. It, a lot of those songs are going to go unheard. You know, you're not going to get as much visibility versus if you put out a single heavily promote the single, put out another single heavily promote the single. That way you build a following that way when you drop that album. People are listening to that whole album. You know, there's not a single track on there that's going to waste because everything that I put out, I want to be heard. You know, I want to be heard and to be heard fully and, you know, not half-heartedly. I want people to really be invested. Um, So that's why I, I only did one EP, that one in the beginning. And I kind of learned my lesson as, because that was my first release. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to, you know, I, I just want to see, I want to see a little more, I want to see a little more growth before I put out the EP that I do have planned. A hundred percent. I get that. You want to make sure that it's worth your while. You get the attention that you deserve and then you build from there. I, I completely agree with you on that. When's the next single coming out? Next single late absolute latest end of June. End the of June. Latest. 
just this month i've really i've just been since i i mean i've only performed live rapping twice and the last time was january of 2020 so when i found out about this gig i was like oh, i gotta get back into it so I, this whole month has just been really focusing on well first of all the the dj set two weeks ago and then getting back into shape performing uh performing shape for tomorrow night um but i have a couple tracks ready that i'm just trying to decide which one the absolute latest end of june good for you what kind of track is this going to be what type of vibe i mean that's what i'm saying there's a couple different vibes there's more dance music inspired track there's some a slower track there's just some club banger that should the shit just hits hard i mean it's it's hard for me to decide uh it's hard for me to decide that's one of the things about my music is that you know it's very spontaneous you know the sound i like to touch on a lot of different genres um so it's really hard to predict what i'm going to come out with next as a as a young artist that's starting out and i ask this to a lot of independent artists and artists that are up and coming how do you deal with criticism when you're starting out? Because that can affect an artist. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. And I think I speak from a lot of, I'm not going to say most artists, but a lot of artists uh, just that we get self-conscious with our work, you know? So we deal with enough thoughts in our, of our own head saying, ah, oh, this got to sound like that. This got to sound like that. It's hard to hear other people, you know, saying that same shit too. But I mean, all you got to do is look at Drake's comments, look at Wayne's comments section. Look at all, all the great comment sections. You're going to find hate. <laughs> You're exactly it's right. It's inevitable. So if people are going to hate regardless, whether you do it or you don't, or whether you're gritty or not, just, just keep it going. You know, as, long as, the music, as long as the music sounds good to you and it's representative of what you want, well, why should you stop? 100%. You know? I'll, give you, I'll give you some great knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, Back in the day when I was in middle school, I was a big Drake fan. Yeah. Early on, I'm talking mixtapes so far gone days. Yeah. I had the I had the Drake t-shirts, I had the OVO shirts. Oh shit. And I was telling people, everyone in my middle school, I went to a Catholic school, people were like, Man, why are you listening to him? He's in his feelings all the time. I said, Listen, this guy is gonna be the next biggest thing in the industry. Yeah. This is before, right before Thank Me Later, Thank Me Later drops, people are still sleeping on him. Mm -hmm. He released yep. started from the bottom. He's going crazy. He's starting to get popping. He's doing songs, more songs with DJ Khaled, Wayne. He's the biggest artist in the game right now. And it turns out to be now, I'm not a fan of his music anymore because it's decreased such in value. After yep. nothing was the same, for me, yep. nothing was exactly. the same. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that is a perfect description. That is a perfect description. Since nothing was the same, God's plan was all not nearly as good as his other stuff. All right, single. Um, the only album that has come somewhat close, and again, not even close to any of the stuff before nothing was the same, was Scorpion. Um, you have, I mean, eight out of ten is a good track. Emotionless is a good track. March 14th is a good track. You have some bars on there, but I mean, views, um, more life. You know, I can't. I can't remember a single track. Yeah, it's, if I mean, you're reading this, it's too late. It, you had the ghostwriting rumors. I couldn't. I, it's. I, I wasn't feeling that album. But again, that it, it's an inevitability. Everybody has. Every artist has their peak. Every artist has their peak. You know. Um, 
artistically at least and you know our view is is pretty much the view of almost every drake fan yeah <laughs> every person i know that listens to drake is like yeah after nothing was the same like you said nothing was the same yeah there was <laughs> Yeah. It wasn't. And, you know, that's why I go back and I listen to the, to the Drake classics and the new music. You can release all these Lemon Pepper and all these other Dark Lane demo tapes. I mean, what's a demo tape anymore? This is yeah. in the 90s. It's I'm, I'm just not feeling it anymore. And let's maybe Drake can go back and listen to his old music and hopefully with his new release coming up. What's it? The the Certified Lover Boy. I think that's certified what he's Lover Boy. Yeah. yeah, that's what he's working on. Maybe well, it'll sound like so far gone and thank me later. Take care. Yeah. I doubt it, but he's just moved too far past that. Although on Dark Lane demos, Time Flies was a good song, come to think of it. Mainly because the, the beat was pretty. I mean, he has, in my opinion, the best producer. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, 40 should 40. be. He, he has the best producer. So, and that's that's been throughout his career. His vocals have been great, but what a lot of people remember is the production behind it and mm-hmm. just that kind of signature style. Um, so as long as like, cause he delegates sometimes his production responsibilities to like Boy Wanda, um, the, the other head is slipping off the top of my head, but basically other producers outside of what it was at the beginning, which was just him and 40. It, if they just stick together and do all their projects together, you know, they can, they can, they can do things. But if he delegates that production responsibility to someone else, uh, it's going to be hard to get back to that sound, that early sound that we all miss. A hundred percent. I agree with you. Exile, let me, let them know where they can check out all of your singles, your previous music, where they can follow you on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, everything. It's your time, man. Absolutely. On Instagram, exile, Spotify, exile, Twitter. Uh, it's underscore exile. Uh, let's see where else Snapchat it's, dot uh it's x dot ile so it's exile um and then it's exile.com it's exile.com that's that's right you have your own website too yes sir and on youtube exile as well so make sure they subscribe that's the main thing yes sir and anybody watching um i'll come to think of it this will probably be this will probably be uh this will probably be released after the show no no, it's coming out it's coming out today Oh, today? All right. Mm-hmm. So if you are in the New York City area tomorrow, Michael and Yard, Vibes Music Game, I'll be on the I'll be live with DJ Sus One. If you want a ticket, get them in the link in my my Instagram bio. You have to get them quick because it's a silent disco and the capacity is going to be limited. So go to my page expeditiously because I need you there right now. Yeah, check check for the YouTube channel today, Sports and Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max. It'll be up there because uh, as soon as the interview's done, that's when the editing starts. And then right there on the platform. So we want to make sure that the people tune in, you can let your followers know that where the video's at, the show's coming, your life story, everything. Mm-hmm. Let's go. I, that's yeah. sick. That's, that's pretty much it, man. I want to thank you for coming on the show. Anytime that you need any promo, let me know. You're, you're good with me. I'm good with Roanne. So. Absolutely. Got, got it from there. You. I appreciate you for having me so much. It was a pleasure. No doubt, man. I want you to take care. Enjoy the rest of your night and, you know, have a good time at that concert tomorrow. Get back to enjoying life, which we all need to do all again. Right. Thank you, sir. It's going to be late. Yeah. All right, man. Take care, man. Ooh, so stay up. Yeah.